Thanks to the Talk Python team who sponsored this episode of the Engineered Mind podcast. If you want to learn Python and delve into exciting topics like data science, web development, or building apps, feel free to visit talkpython.fm/mind to find your next level and get a 10% discount. Also, a big thank you to all my patrons who support the Engineered Mind podcast. Hi and welcome to the Engineered Mind podcast. In this podcast, we cover topics such as engineering, artificial intelligence, neuroscience, and other interesting topics to educate, inspire, and engineer people's minds all around the world. I'm your host Yusuf, and for this episode of the podcast, I'm very excited to welcome Doug Farrell to my show. Doug has been programming for a long time in several languages, and he has worked in process control, embedded systems, retail CD-ROM software, and both internet and intra-web applications. Currently, Doug is fortunate enough to code in Python with a large slice of JavaScript just for fun. He also teaches Python to kids at a STEM place near where he lives and writes courses materials for the same. Doug is also writing a book for Manning Publishing called The Well-Grounded Python Developer. In this podcast, we talked about Doug's book, Thinking in a Pythonic Way, Advices for Beginners in Python, How to Keep Yourself Up to Date in Terms of Programming, The Imposter Syndrome, and much more. For updates on upcoming podcasts, projects, and videos, make sure to follow me on Twitter as well as on Instagram. To join my weekly newsletter, engineeredmind.sh, where I share exclusive content, visit yusef.substack.com. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's my podcast with Doug Farrell. Welcome to the Internet Mind podcast, Doug. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you, Yusef. It's glad, I'm glad to be here. It's nice. So as always, we'll kick things off with you giving us a one-minute bio of what you did. Of course, you did a lot of things, but maybe try to explain the audience what you did in terms of programming and so on, what projects you did and what projects you worked on, etc. Uh, I've been developing for a long time, since uh, 83, uh, so way back in the early days of the Stone Age when uh, computers were squirrel-powered. Um, I've been I've done embedded systems work and uh, retail software, the old CD-ROM software. Um, I've done machine embedded machine stuff. Recently, I've been working for a printing company that where we uh, it hits the sweet spot for me about uh, actually doing a lot of development and also controlling hardware in the real world. Uh, I work on the production floor of the creating software that helps the production floor uh, create printed objects and get them built and put together and shipped. Uh, and that's all been in Python recently. I've been working in Python for almost 20 years now. Uh, and uh, at this job, I get to do that exclusively rather than several other languages that I've worked in. I've worked in C, C++, PHP, uh, all the way back to Fortran and uh, Pascal, actually. Mm -hmm. So we can say that you are a well-grounded developer. No. <laughs> you can say that. I think it makes me uh, not an expert, but a jack of all trades of a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll talk about this expert kind of issue later on, uh, talking about the imposter syndrome, maybe towards the end of the podcast. So talking about Python, you also wrote a book called The Well-Grounded Python Developer. Yes, that's still in progress. I'm about halfway through uh, working towards the, the end of that. And that's my goal with that was um, with Manning Publishing was to uh, help people move from being a programmer to a developer. So people who... Uh, I don't really teach Python in the book. I expect people, I expect readers to have a basic understanding of Python, have built some Python programs, maybe some single file uh, Python code. But um, my goal is to help people move towards thinking about the big picture 
mm-hmm. of development and how to put, how to put the things they know, uh, statements, loops, conditionals, maybe a few modules, how to put those things together to build more complex uh, programs and take on bigger problems and bigger projects and their life and their work. Uh, and I hope that my experience can help and writing can help them do that because uh, I think there's a gap in the, in the written book world between beginner books and books for experts like uh, the Python cookbooks and some of, some of the, the black hat programming kind of stuff. Those are great books, but you sort of have to be a developer to make the use of those. Mm-hmm. What would you say? What sets your book apart from all the other books? What would you say? I think it's, um, I hope that it's, it builds on itself. It's like, I hope that it's kind of like a course where rather than presenting isolated blocks of code or document, you know, extended documentation about, it's not a reference manual, for instance, uh, extended blocks of code expertise on how to do HTTP or how to do a database. Uh, it does a lot of those things, but each of those uh, topics build on each other to say, okay, I've learned this tool. Now we're going to use that tool to learn another tool and build a more complex program. Um, one of the things I do in the book is, uh, I'm starting at this moment actually, is build a, a blogging, so have the uh, book present how to build a blog uh, platform on a web application, uh, which is not, you know, there's lots of blogging platforms out there that you could use. And that's not the goal of the book is to build a blog that you're going to publish, but to think about all of the things that need to happen uh, to create a piece of software like that, which is fairly complex, and how those things fit together, how all the various individual tools like HTTP, uh, web serving, uh, HTML, uh, database persistence, uh, user management, uh, class design, uh, object-oriented programming, how all those things fit together as a com- combined set of tools to build more complex things. You know, I, I, I hope that, I, I kind of think of myself as a software carpenter, And uh, when you start out, you know, all you have is a hammer and everything looks like a nail. But um, once you get some more tools, then the next step is to figure out how can I use all these various uh, tools that I've developed to build cabinetry, to build fine fine pieces of work that people care about rather than just nailing two pieces of wood together. Uh, and that's my goal is to get people to, to think about why, you know, why a, a simple for loop is used. It's not like I understand how a loop works, but what do I do with it? Well, this is what you can do with it. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Um, also, the book you wrote is not only for people coming from Python or taking the Python path, but also maybe people who used another language and want to think in a Pythonic way, if that's correct. Yeah, that's uh, my one of my goals is uh, to think about the audience for the book. And uh, certainly one goal is uh, beginners and you know a little bit beyond beginners. But the other big audience that I think, uh, actually two other big audiences I think would benefit from the book are developers who work in other languages and uh, because of Python's popularity or their job or whatever are coming to Python and want to get up to speed on Python. They know some of the basic tenets about programming. Maybe they're you know advanced developers and have worked for a while, but they want to know how to think in a Pythonic way. How do I take advantage of Python uh, to make the best use of the tool to do the work that I need to do? So perhaps... Uh, Java developers or PHP developers are coming to the Python world and they need to know more than just the syntax. They need to know how do these things come together? You know, they say you got to put 10,000 hours in to become an expert. Maybe I can shorten that time a little bit 
uh, by seeing, okay, this is how you think about things in a Pythonic way um, to accomplish tasks with Python rather than the tools that you know. And then the other, the other audience, which I think is a little smaller, would be um, machine learning and data science, big data stuff. Um, I have a, my feeling is that uh, people who come from that world, they might have a lot of experience with statistics and data modeling and machine learning, but they may not be strong programmers. Maybe they depend on someone else in their team to do that kind of work for them. Uh, and I think that they could benefit by um, learning Python because it has a low barrier to entry and yet it has a great deal of power. They could automate their lives quite a bit or maybe uh, process data or even build more complex applications where they present the data that they're uh, digging into or the machine learning findings that they've, they've learned about. They could present those as um, web servers, web services, so that their colleagues could um, benefit from what they know and share the data that they have. Mm -hmm. You're having a lot of experience right now. How do you see it as an expert fitting maybe Julia and R into this whole ecosystem? How would you compare Python to someone who is not familiar with any of the languages and wants to get started into programming? Uh, wants to get started in programming? Should they start with Julia, Python, or R? What would you say? Of course, you have a biased opinion, but what would you yeah, say? Of course I do. <laughs> I, I think that some of the, I, I only know a little bit about those other languages you mentioned. Um, It probably depends on a couple of things. It's one is the, the comfort level with um, the learning curve of any of those languages. Like I, I personally feel the learning curve for Python is fairly low uh, and invites um, people to try things out uh, and, and learn stuff fairly quickly on a nice kind of a gradual ramp up to more complex things. But it also depends on if the, if the syntax appeals to you, like uh, you know, Python has uses white space, uh, required white space for part of its syntax. I find that great. I've been really glad to let go of curly braces in my programming life. Uh, but some people don't don't really care for that. They've come from other languages and it's sort of part of their muscle memory to do that. I think the other big thing that would influence um, someone to choose a language would be the availability of a community of people um, to help them grow. Like, do they work in a, Do they work with other people? Do they know other people? What do those other pet people know and could help them with? Uh, I think that that would influence someone's choice quite a bit. Like if you work at a, in a place that has access to Julia or R programmers, I think that that would be the wise choice because they would help you get into that and you wouldn't be sort of swimming upstream uh, against the tide. Mm -hmm. What would you say in terms of resources when you started programming, when you think back, was it more for you that you have like that you chose a project and said, okay, I'm going to tackle this project with programming language X, Y, or were you more like, okay, I'm first going to learn the language basics and then I'm going to tackle a project. How was your approach? Well, I, my approach was the former, um, you know, back when I first got programming, there was no such thing as the internet for a long time. Uh, it was all hanging around in computer stores and buying books that I thought were useful. And uh, I, you know, initially I took the approach of that I'm going to learn how to program which meant learning an entire language by reading a book. And that's a fallacy, I think, is to take the approach that I'm going to learn a language and that I'm going to learn everything about the language and then I'm going to program. Uh, I think that that's, um, that's time poorly spent because you can't comprehend everything, the whole domain of a programming, programming or a particular programming language. You can't contain that in your head all at once from a cold start. Um, My approach and what I teach, I, I teach at a STEM school occasionally, 
And what I teach uh, is to, what I encourage my students to do is to um, pick a project that interests them, uh, that they might be excited about. And that will help narrow the focus of what they need to do or what they need to learn in order to make bring that project to life. And plus, it has the benefit of that they're excited about the project, then that will keep keep pushing for it, to keep learning, to keep pushing. Because um, motivation is a very, it's a very hard thing to maintain. If you're trying to just force yourself to read a 500-page book about an obscure topic like programming, that's a hard thing to do if you're not excited about it. But if you're doing a project that you want to see come to fruition, then you're going to be driven to stay with it and learn uh, the things you need to know. And as you go, you'll find out like, oh, I mean, I, even after all the years that I've been programming, uh, I look at my own stuff six months later and I think, oh, my God, what was I thinking? This is so silly. Uh, I, there's a much better approach that I could make that better, et cetera, et cetera. And if, if you have a project like that, you're going to do the same thing. You're going to learn uh, better approaches, better ways of doing things, and it will push your the boundaries of what you know much further than if you try to progress on all fronts in a programming world. Mm-hmm. Also, but and even now, I don't feel like I know everything about programming, and I've been at it for 40 years. And that's what I wanted to ask next. Like, It's like a lifelong journey. It's more like a marathon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you have to, you have to if you want to be a developer, um, you have to commit yourself to the idea. I know it's a cliche, but to be a lifelong learner, you really have to do that. I mean, I spend... Uh, you could ask my wife, I spend a lot of hours outside of my job uh, learning new things uh, so that I can do my job better. Um, plus, technology changes so fast uh, to do to not be a lifelong learner. You are uh, condemning yourself to be a niche, a niche programmer uh, and possibly not be able to get a job because the world moves very quickly, especially in programming. Yep. I mean, I often say about JavaScript, I like JavaScript quite a bit, too. Um, the, the joke I make about JavaScript, if you don't like something about JavaScript or the way it works or the framework you're using, uh, just wait five minutes, there'll be another one. <laughs> That's good. What, what resources do you personally use uh, when you want to keep yourself up to date with the latest te- like updates in programming or any other? I have. I, uh, once I get into something, I usually manage to find uh, resources like in Python, I'm, I'm subscribed to a number of uh, Python newsletters, which publish uh, links uh, to articles of interest. And I use, um, well, I bookmark them where I use a pocket to save all that stuff. And I'll refer to that later. It gives me a place where I could save those things and search them for things that are interesting. Sometimes an article is so interesting, I'll read it right away. And it expands my knowledge a little bit. Um, of course, Google is a fantastic resource. I used to stack overflow, of course, although that's tricky because uh, everything on there, um, it stays there forever. And so you really need to pay attention to the age of the, of the answer and the question to say, oh, is this relevant to me anymore? Uh, and you have to you have to weed through uh, some little bit of flame wars occasionally on resources to say, you know, stop fighting. Could you just answer the question? Um, <laughs> it's good I also, that- and I also... Yeah, so, sorry for interrupting. Sorry for interrupting you, Doug. That's good that you mentioned it because sometimes you have communities. I'm not going to mention any names, which are a bit toxic, and which brings us to a topic like namely the imposter syndrome. Like you, as far as I know, you did not do like a PhD or master study, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. I have a my BS is in. Uh, I have two degrees. I have a BS in physics mm-hmm. and an associate's degree in commercial art, which are 
clearly obviously related. Um, and so I'm a self-taught programmer. I, I, my, my uh, finals physics project before I graduated was building a, a CAT scan with the department head. And that got me hooked on programming. And of course, that was in like eight, eight, 1982. I bought my first uh, microcomputer, uh, Radio Shack color computer, and uh, I never turned back after that. Uh, that taught me enough buzzwords to get my first job. And uh, I've been a developer ever since. Um, some of the, on the other hand, sometimes that has made me, as you said, um, given me a feeling of being the imposter syndrome. But because I'm not a computer scientist and I work with a lot of guys who have uh, masters and a few PhDs in computer science, I feel like, ah, I'm not as capable as them. Uh, but I feel differently uh, now a little bit, a little bit is that, um, my kind of well back, well-rounded background. Like I didn't, I didn't get into programming until quite late. I was 28 when I got my BS in physics. Uh, I wasn't a kid, and um, but I so I did a lot of things before that, a lot of interesting things. And I think my well-rounded background uh, gave me something of an advantage to say, oh, you know, I don't have a single tool to apply to this situation, which is sometimes not even technical. It's social skills, uh, personal skills, interpersonal skills, emotional skills, uh, to say, oh, I can survive this. I know that I have, I may not know how to solve this problem, but I have the patience to stick with it to solve it, to find out how to solve it. And uh, that's helped me a lot with the imposter syndrome. The other thing is that uh, um, because I'm a very applications-oriented person, a developer, I'm not a computer scientist. I'm not going to be developing OSs. I'm not going to develop new incredible data structures. Uh, I like to build useful applications. So I am very focused on using tools uh, to create new things. I'm not, I, I, there's sometimes I create new tools, but they're not like amazing. Uh, but I do create new things that haven't been built before. And it's because of my, um, sort of the well-grounded engineer philosophy that you don't, you can't be an expert in everything. I'm very good at a lot of things, so that lets me build useful stuff without knowing everything. Um, you know, I've built uh, dynamically balanced binary trees before, but I don't know much about red-black trees, and I'm not too interested in building stacks or linked lists. I've done all that, um, but those don't come into play very much in my life. I don't have to do that kind of work. Uh, I'm not building a new language. I'm using a language to create new new tools that help people out. Mm -hmm. And I think especially today in social in the social media environment, when you see all these kind of stories where one guy started with five years of age with programming, some people might feel a bit like demotivated because they hear of that, because they're like maybe 30, maybe even 50 or 60. Oh, yeah. And they yeah. want to get started in programming and, the, and, and it, it demotivates them a little bit. What advice would you give them like to at least oh, get started? I have a lot of advice about that. Sure, go on. <laughs> I, 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 met, I um, A long time ago, I used to... Uh, occasionally hire myself out as a as a one-to-one -one teacher for kids who are learning how to program. And then since I've been teaching at the STEM school, I've worked with kids from like eight to 15, 16 years old. Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing I learned about them is, well, one, they do, they do learn incredibly fast and they have great, uh, they're very inquisitive about what they're learning. But the other thing that people don't that forget is that kids have 20 hours a day to focus on something. <laughs> uninterrupted they're not like making a living or supporting a family or any of that stuff uh, putting a roof on a house and uh, people forget that and that's really important I mean, once if a kid gets interested in something and focuses on it they have tremendous mental 
resources and time to stick with it and stay with it and learn stuff at an incredible pace. Adults don't really don't have that opportunity to uh, focus on something for so long. And um, so adult learners, they should give themselves some credit. Like I am learning this among all the other things that I'm learning. Yeah. Uh, you may or may not be able to compete with a 12 year old about that, but that's because the 12 year old isn't doing what you're doing. Uh, they don't have that kind of time constraint. And I don't think, I, I don't really think that um, learning how to be a programmer is uh, beyond anyone at any age. Uh, if you have a, if you, if you actually have something that you think that programming can help you with, then that's a motivation to, to stick with it and learn. If you're just trying to force yourself to do it, that's a losing battle. But if you have something that like, if you want to automate something with Excel or something about your job, like automate the boring stuff, um, that's a motivation that can really drive you to succeed and do that mm -hmm. at any age, I think. Mm, that's, that's very good motivation. I think a lot of people... I mean, I've, like I've turned, my, I've turned my whole job into... Uh, learning new skills. Uh, so it's a lot of times, well, unfortunately for some of my employers, a lot of those new skills have led me to new jobs. Mm -hmm. How do you overcome this this problem of feeling overwhelmed? Maybe you are sometimes, maybe you're not. Oh, definitely. Yeah, my, my day job has been very demanding lately. Um, part of it is um, I know myself that uh, often uh, if I come if I come across a problem that I find intractable, I, have, I can't solve it and I'm frustrated, um, sometimes I just need to take a break from it and work on something else and let my subconscious mull it over. Mm. And, uh, I'll, I often, it often happens that suddenly out of the blue, uh, a solution presents itself to me, um, which is really handy. Uh, it's kind of, it's kind of random that that works, but I know that happens. The other thing that I do to help myself, um, it, it, this is a real problem for me personally, is that I try and I am trying to. I'm always saying to myself, I'm smart enough to solve this problem. Why is it so hard? Why am I having such a hard time? And I won't ask for help uh, early enough. So I've had to train myself to ask for help, uh, either on you know Stack Overflow or tools like that, or just with the people I work with who are also great programmers. Just like to you know say, okay, it's not. I'm exposing myself a little bit that I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to solve. I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but that's okay. I mean, we all learn from each other. Uh, and besides getting help uh, from people I work with and people in the community uh, that I know, uh, the other thing that often happens is the act of putting uh, the problem I'm working on into words uh, that I'm trying to explain to someone else who's not deeply involved in the problem. Just the act of putting it into words presents the solution. Mm -hmm. What to maybe wrap things up and coming a, a bit to the end is what, what tips would you give for beginners, maybe intermediate or advanced programmers, what you have learned over the years when it comes to uh, Python in general or maybe programming in general? I think um, I, I personally feel like beginners, um, as I said in the beginning, you know, find a project that excites you either personal or work and stick with it. And that will help you. That will move you forward at a great pace. Um, I think developers in general, um, if they can avoid, I guess, avoid those, <laughs> you've probably heard the religious wars between languages, you know, people saying this is the right way to do things, this is the right way to do things. Um, 
that's that kind of leads to a bad state where you you know you start to think of yourself as kind of a diva, like I know best. And well, no, there are lots and lots of solutions to problems, and um, it's like I, it's part of why I like working with other people, and either person you know in my job or relationships that I have with other people, um, is that 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 really helps you keep growing. If you don't do that and become stagnant, that's a real problem, and you're going to hurt you're, you're going to hurt yourself in your career. If uh, you take that approach where you're like, I'm the smartest one in the room, I can solve all these problems, I know best, uh, that's never the case. Uh, I can tell you from doing embedded machine control that I was very focused on uh, speed, um, making things super fast as possible. Uh, but I also can tell you that my my intuition about what makes things fast was always wrong. 90% of the time it was wrong, unless I measured and then measured again every time I made an improvement. It always revealed that what actually made things better and faster was way off in my intuition. And you need to do the same thing uh, with yourself. You need that feedback. That feedback loop uh, will help you keep growing. And if you're an expert developer, um, I think that's even easier to fall into the trap that you know best, this language is best. Um, I think you need to keep your mind open about um other technologies, other languages, other techniques, uh, because uh, the programming world is still changing at an incredibly rapid pace. I think we're still in the, the juvenile years of, uh, of what computer science, computer engineering is really all about. So you need to stay open to that and learn new stuff. Like, oh, maybe you know, suddenly like, oh, this is a better approach to my the work that I'm doing. This is a better way of thinking about it. Um, and then the, the other thing I think is, you know, right now we are in the middle of it, but I think that uh, web development and using the web browser as, a, as an application uh, platform and delivery mechanism, uh, I think that that still has many, many years of life in it, and it is an important uh, technology to learn and get good at. Mm -hmm. Not only to talk about programming, what advice would you give your 18-year-old younger self if he was on the phone? What would you tell him? Not about programming, maybe about life in general. I would have, I would have liked to have said, uh, focus, focus on something long term sooner. I worked at a at a bronze sculpture foundry making large bronze statues for quite a few years, and I really enjoyed it because it was fun. The people I worked with were crazy. Uh, it was very exciting work, and it was demanding, demanding, and that was what one of the things that led me to say, you know, it was really physically demanding. And I, I'm a big guy. But uh, I finally, after a few years, I was like, no, I don't want to really maintain. I don't think I can maintain this level of physicality for my whole life. And it kind of drove me back to school. So I, th I think I would have uh, encouraged my younger self to be more objective about what my abilities and interests were uh, rather than just uh, sort of follow my short-term passions and pursuits. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's a beautiful way to end the podcast. Uh, Doug Farrell, it was an absolute pleasure talking to you. And learning more about programming in general, and also hear your expert advice on uh, Python and in particular. And as always, I will put the link to your book down in the description, and of course with a discount code. I have the book already. I have to be honest; I didn't start it yet, but I, after this podcast, I'm motivated <laughs> to do so. So Good. thank, thank you. you. So I'm, I'm pleased about that. Thank you so much, Doug, for participating in the Engineer Mind podcast, and hopefully see you on social media. I guess. I would like that. Bye bye. Take care. Bye bye. Thank you.